Hey everybody, it's Connor. Another week, some more drama. Thank you so much for finding us, finding the pod. If you're new, welcome to the party. If you're not new, thanks for coming back for more. Every Wednesday we release a new episode with a thrilling special guest, and this week is no exception. We've got the unbelievably talented and extremely kind and fun and good-hearted Gray Henson on the pod who's currently starring in Shocked and you're gonna love this episode but before you listen I want to tell you about our Patreon patreon.com slash the drama podcast where for five dollars a month you can support the pod your favorite twins get added to our Instagram close friends you get bonus episodes delivered to you which I know is exactly what you're wanting. You're kind of thinking, wait, one episode a week isn't enough. I need more drama. I need the twins. I need Connor. I need Dylan. So go to patreon.com slash drama podcast, subscribe, support the pod, rate us five stars, follow us, tell all your friends about us, and enjoy this episode with Gray. You're going to L-O-V-E him just like we do. All right. See you in a few minutes. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got none? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will, will we talk, talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. We have been talking about it all season long on our Patreon page. But any final thoughts, anything you want to say before the Tony nominations come out on Tuesday? I feel as if everything I've been thinking about what's going to happen is not going to happen. Okay. I've been feeling really strongly for some reason for months about Some Like It Hot and Anne Juliet getting a lot of nominations. And now randomly, I'm wondering if that's not going to happen. I wish, I I don't know. I love all the new musicals this season. And so, you know what it is? There's so many, I'm speaking specifically in like acting categories. There's so many revivals too. I'm one. Also, I've been really confident about like lots of Into the Woods acting nominations. And now I don't know anymore. I have the feeling because here's the thing. If Philippa Sue wouldn't have gotten such great reviews for Camelot, I would have said, okay, maybe she would have been featured for Into the Woods. Okay. But because it seems like she is the toast of the town from Camelot as the leading lady, I think that clears up a spot in featured because I don't think they'll nominate her twice. Although it's probably happened before. And it well, it did most recently with Jeremy Pope. Well, Mm -hmm. but not in the was that in the same category wasn't one of them play play and musical and one yeah yeah mm-hmm. okay but anyway i'm feeling uncertain suddenly i was so confident we were going to get like a gavin creel nomination that we were going to potentially get sarah Bareilles in lead but now i'm wondering is it was it too long is it too long since the woods happened what do you think i don't know i think that this season actually funnily enough reminds me a little bit of like 2017 2018 where we had a lot of musicals coming in and mm-hmm. a lot of possibilities um, I do think that Sarah's going to get in. You do? I do. That's going to be my big prediction for today. But as far as the new musicals go, I think that we're going to see some good some good vibes for a show called Shocked, which you've seen, you've loved. Everything I've seen, I've loved. I'm going to see it in like two weeks. Oh my God. And we're so lucky to be speaking with someone from the cast today. I'm gagged. I mean, you were speaking of the 2017-2018 season, which, wait, what is it? Is it the year that the Tonys happen? it's considered that season? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that was 17, is... right? Mean Girls, SpongeBob. 18. 18? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Um, a season that needs to be studied in a documentary in many years to come, similar to that documentary they did in like 2004 with like Wicked Carolina Change. Agreed. Um, Taboo and Avenue Q. But it was, it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. That season was drama because the voters went down the line for one musical. That was drama. Which I hate that. I I love when the, when it's spread around, like. Me too. I don't know what would be spread around. I famously, famously, famously on the record was like, like on this very podcast, I was Mm -hmm. like, Taylor Latterman should have won that year for Mean Girls. I know, I know. Which is a bold statement, but no one else could have done it like she did it. And I really feel like that was, I mean, Katrina Link, we, we love you, but I don't know. For some reason, I feel like the iconic performance was Taylor's. But there was another iconic performance that I am so happy got a nomination. Oh, and I it know. Was, it was our guest today playing Damien and Mean Girls, which we're going to get into right now. How about I just do the introduction and we can talk Tony's, we can talk anything we want with with him because he was also shaving during that entire intro i need i need our listeners to sort of meet us where we are today and know that there was a razor involved not sweeney todd yeah not not that's another revival i didn't even think of like what was is ruthie and miles getting in for featured we're really there's there's a lot happening okay anyway just the topic the topic at hand our guest today is a tony award and Drama Desk nominee for Best Performance by an Actor in a Featured Role in a Musical for Mean Girls, where he brought the beloved role of Damien to life. He also starred as Elder McKinley on Broadway and in the National Touring Company's A Book of Mormon, toe-tapping and side-splitting with his triple threat talent to a Helen Hayes Award nomination. This Georgian native has also recurred on Girls 5 Eva, Suburgatory, and appeared on the silver screen in A Journal for Jordan, directed by Denzel Washington. A graduate of Carnegie Mellon University, our guest Slade an assassin since Sweeney Todd. Okay, the razor comes back into it. Um, among other shows, you can currently see this absolute icon on stage in this season's Shocked as Storyteller 2, continuing his streak of making audiences laugh their asses off in a Broadway theater. We're so grateful to be in the presence of greatness today. Please welcome to drama, Gray, Gray Henson. Henson. Wow, that was the best introduction I have ever received. Do you mean it? seriously that was phenomenal yes and it made me feel way fancier than i actually am oh my gosh gray we feel like we are truly in the presence of a legendary legend as we say on drag race all stars all winners um, <laughs> at least that's what we said last summer um yeah well they go back to like none, none of the queens going home on this season okay i'm really jumping oh, yeah topics here. I, I, I kind of love that though because then you get to see their entire wardrobe like everything mm-hmm. they brought Totally. First topic. First topic. I'm going to save this for Dose of Drama at the end because this could take up the entire podcast, okay? Totally. Gray, we're finding you backstage at Shucked right now. Connor and I are obviously obsessed with you. I'm sorry if the Tony's chatter at the beginning made you feel a little pins and needles or triggered for when you've previously been in the mix, as we say. Oh, no. It it is, like, stressful um, to even think about that kind of thing. It's like when your art becomes a competition, I think mm-hmm. for anyone, that's a weird thing to navigate. Um, but for me, girls, it was like such a surprise. So it was like fun. And I think it it happened because I was just having fun. And mm. I got to play like a, a high school version of myself in that show. And it was a blast. And then the nomination came out and I was like, oh. And then that's when the the demons my inner saboteur sort of mm. reared its ugly head and i had to think like oh now i'm a tony nominated actor and i have to act like one mm. um 
so yeah, this the season is so exciting and fun, and I mean, who doesn't love the Tony Awards? Yeah. But yeah, it is it is a is a special kind of um, insanity that sort of comes along with it. But we're in the middle of um, you know hoping that Shuck does well this season, and I think it I think it might because it's so special and sweet and completely original. So we're sort of banking on some things coming through. I love the way you said that. I think so. I mean, I laughed my booty off when I saw Shucked. You're so funny, Gray. Thank you. It's such a fun, silly role. And I I remember getting the audition um, because a friend of mine, Taylor Trench, played the role in Utah. They did their out of town in Utah this past fall. And he um, left to go do Camelot. Right. And um, we have the same rep, rep. And so I called him. I was like, tell me about the show. He's like, it's so amazing. It's so special. Um, and the audition was, it, you know, the name of the character is literally storyteller number two. And so on paper, it seems like, you, like, what am I, barista number three and like right. more girls? Like, that's what it felt like. And I was like. Okay, dream role. Honestly, though, dream role. Yeah. Um, but. So- the material is so special. The book is so strong. Robert Horn wrote it. And um, I, I don't like, uh, it's not a crazy heavy sing for me, this show, but the music in the show is so special. I love country music and country music itself is so narrative based. And so it lends itself to musical theater in such a beautiful way. And I don't know why we aren't making more country. I mean, Dolly needs to write more musicals, I think. Is the I know. <laughs> that's, um, that's true. I mean, she, I guess, right. wrote like a hundred songs for nine to five and they had to whittle it down to like the 15 or 16 that are in it. So I believe it. I mean, she's, she's special. And as are Brandy and Shane who wrote the music for Shuck. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's like, it's just fun. It's a joyful, sweet, simple show that knows exactly what it is. And I think people come in honestly with low expectations and come out being like very delightfully entertained and surprised by how, great the show is it's it's got a lot of heart and then it just people just laugh for two and a half hours and like that in itself i think is really healing um and it's fun for us to do too i can't really remember a time where there was something that was so unexpected that opened on broadway like this maybe the prom i don't know it's sure you know it's hard to like kind of pinpoint things everything's so different but i am it's like at the top of my list for when I'm coming in a couple of weeks because I, I think you'll like it. Everything I've heard is just amazing. And I'm I'm a sucker for country too, although I'm not from Georgia. Like is That's that where me. you got is that where you cut your teeth on the country music? Yeah, well, actually, funny story. I was literally born in Nashville because my mom was speaking at the Grand Old Opry Hotel for some conference. And I was the last of five kids for her. So at that point, she like forgot she was pregnant, I guess. <laughs> and I was born two days early. And so her water broke in the hotel the night before she's supposed to drive back to Macon, Georgia, where we were from. And so I had to, I was born in Nashville. So I do have very, I'm like rooted in the country music scene, um, but never lived there. Just my birth certificates from Nashville. And then grew up in Macon, Georgia. Yeah. So a small little country gay boy is my story. Uh, what? how old were you when you came out? I didn't officially come out until like graduating high school, senior year into college. You were ready for a fresh start. Yeah. But it was also something that I knew since, I mean, I played with Barbies. I was in ballet class when I was three or four. Like I was, I was obviously gay before I even knew what that meant. Um, I always and, say that too. I'm like, I knew I was gay before I knew what the word meant for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I was different. I remember like, I didn't realize that it was even weird for me to play with dolls until I was watching TV and I realized, oh, it's only girls playing with dolls. <laughs> and did um, you have sisters? Is that why the dolls were in the house? Or did you ask your parents no, for them? No, asked for it. That's what I wanted. And they, they were so supportive and they were great. I mean, my mom is the one that put me in dance class. She actually took me to one ballet studio 
video and the dance teacher turned me away. She was like, boys aren't supposed to dance this young. And so she took, my mom was like, okay, well, screw you. And took me to another studio. And that's where I danced my whole, you know, adolescence into high school. Um, But yeah, I didn't officially come out until I went to college where obviously I went to Carnegie Mellon theater school and like I showed up and I was like the gay kid. Mm -hmm. And not even in a way that was like, finally, I can be myself. I was just myself, but it was like with other people that I knew accepted me. Not that anyone in Georgia didn't, but it's different growing up in a smallish town. Yeah. Yeah. So were you like, was it college when you were like finally having your first boy kiss when you were finally hooking up? Or did you like hook up? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't know we were talking about that on drama, but fierce. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to. We can skip. No, no, it's good. No, it's fine. I mean, I was young when I was like, I was like, I had a, a, there's a a boy like that was a year old who I did theater with who like I sort of experimented with. And I think that's what a lot of gay men and queer people in general I think are sort of robbed of is that adolescent like flirtation and exploration that straight kids can do and get away with because it's charming and it's expected and so I was lucky enough to have that with someone when I was young like (sighs) 10 10 11 and um it was like you know we were just best friends and we would like you know hang out all the time and um I think he's you know, married to a man now and happy somewhere. I we should reconnect. But yeah. um, so I, I I did that for sure. And then in high school, I remember knowing I was gay, but not wanting to come out yet. And so I just kind of became asexual. I didn't label myself that way, but I was just like, I don't date anyone, you know. And I'm that was on becoming an actor. Yeah, yeah. Grab trigger. I'm be, I'm. This is scary. This was how Connor and I were. Oh, I'm sure that like the three of us, I, I should be the triplet here. I'm sure that like we are the same in so many ways. I oh feel God, it yeah. for sure. I always joke that we were stunted from, from not having those like adolescent crushes and working things out in my teen years. Like, and now I've been with my boyfriend for seven years and I was like in my twenties experiencing things that 13 year olds were experiencing. And it was like, yes, hmm. that is, that is, um, I, have you guys read The Velvet Rage, that book? No, yeah. I, it's on my bookshelf, though, so people probably think I've read it. Randomly, yeah. I've read it even though Dylan's the reader. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> I I think it, I mean, I haven't, I didn't think, I don't think I finished it. I also think I started it, and then I was like, oh, this is a little scary and a little too close to home. But what I did read really um, struck a chord with me because, yeah, I think we are delayed in many ways. And then so that's why you get, you know, there's a big culture and a bar culture and a hookup culture and that's really common in the gay community because you don't really get to do a lot of that when you're young and so you end up you have all these like sort of Peter Pans running around these like man children in New York City just kind of going crazy which is good you have to get out of your system and figure out what you want and so me being 32 now it's like sometimes I worry I'm like why am I not in a relationship why am I not married it's because we it took some time yeah we're settling in now but being from the south it's also probably double pressure because i know that people get married very young in the south well not to hate on anyone from my hometown but i i like i never felt that pressure because all of my people people the people i grew up with that i'm still in touch with it's a small group of people they all got out right and so yeah, yeah Um, I definitely like, I, that's why I still have Facebook so I can like go on and stalk people from high school who are all lovely, but yes, married with children and Mm -hmm. children that are, you know, deep into school now. Oh yeah. It's (laughs) jarring. It is. Oh God, that's crazy. We just had our 10 year reunion in the fall 
And it was an experience of like, oh my God, like you have a child. I know. Shocking. Imagine being a parent right now. I could never. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Can't even have a dog. Um, listen, we've been <laughs> getting into so <laughs> we're so into this already. I'm kind of just curious how you're doing though, because we've kind of touched base about the season and we're already getting into your backstory. But are you well, Gray? Yes, I'm doing really well. I'm very happy to be back on stage. I left Mean Girls uh on March 8th, 2020. And I left with Barrett and Kate Rockwell and we all left at the same time. There was this big going away party. We had our replacements set up to go in. Erica Henningsen had left like a week before us and our replacements got to do three performances of that show. Um, anyway, so the timing was odd where I like left and entered that pandemic. So I was ready for a break because I just done that show for two years on Broadway. And then, you know, the pandemic, not that anyone wants to still talk about it. It was, <laughs> you know, it was, it was weird and hard and, I was like trying to navigate what I wanted to do coming out of it and Chef fell into my lap and I just leaned into it and I'm having the time of my life. It's so fun. It's exact. I feel like I'm doing the exact thing that I should be doing right now. Like I feel like fully aligned. You know what I mean? Like the stars have truly um, connected and I am doing what I'm meant to be doing right now, which is Chef the Musical on Broadway. So I'm good. I'm happy. I'm tired. I'm navigating what it's like to do eight shows a week. The schedule is no joke. Um, I forgot what it was like. And now I'm in my 30s doing it, which is a challenge. Um, <laughs> but it's good. I am happy. I'm very happy. I'm so uh, glad. I mean, the yeah. show is a blast. Oh my God. And you, yeah. and is her name Ashley who plays the other storyteller? Ashley, yeah, Ashley D. Kelly, storyteller number one. Yeah. Storyteller number one. You two have such good chemistry. I love her so much. Oh, she's she, so cute. It, she is so cute. Yes. And I have leaned on her this whole time because I didn't know what these roles were until we had an audience. Even like all throughout rehearsals, I was really frustrated. And I was like, I just can't figure this out. Like we come out basically, for those of you who hadn't seen it, and we narrate the, the story and talk directly to the audience. And we have all these amazing, funny puns. But in a rehearsal room, you know, you're doing the show for five people that have seen it a million times. And we don't really have scenes. We, we act with the audience, which now I realize is such a gift. But at the time, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And the moment we had like our invited dress at the Nederlander Theater, it just clicked. And I was like, I'm, like this is so fun. And so I was there. Um, I was randomly there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. Isn't that kind of yeah, fun? Well, you saw me in real time realize that this was a great job. So <laughs> wasn't Marin Morris also there? Oh yes, she was. Yes, she was there because Shane um, McAnally, our one of our book uh, music writers, came up to me afterwards and he was like, "Well, I told him I was like, was Marin Morris here? Because I'm a fan of hers." And he was like, "Yeah." And by the way, she said she couldn't stop looking at the male storyteller, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> in a sexual way. And he was like, "No, of course." Like she was just like <laughs> she really loved you in the show, and so that was like such a dream to hear. No, oh for God. real, you are so watchable and you have that thing, that like Jane Krakowski thing where you can deliver a line. Wow, that is the best compliment I've ever been paid because she is everything, right? Oh yeah. She is everything. Um, Dylan, yeah. Dylan always jokes, she does what she does, but she, she does, does really she, well. Yes. But mm -hmm. that, yes. But she slays it though. That's what this business is though. You have to find your lane and mm -hmm. not stick to it. Like obviously no one wants to be put into a box, but you have to find your magic and then just sprinkle that on everything you do. And mm -hmm. then people start remembering you because they're like, oh, I don't see anyone else doing that. And the people that, I don't know, it's a really hard business, but you have to realize that you can never recreate what somebody else does. 
-hmm. And like, that's what I'm really trying to like realize by doing this on the heels of Mean Girls. At first I was like, is this the same role I did in Mean Girls, a gay narrator in a musical comedy? But then Mm -hmm. I'm sort of owning the fact that I think this is my superpower. And I like, I'm so lucky that I get to do it again and that people want me to do it again, you know? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that Taylor Trench played the role because I don't necessarily, I hate this word, but I don't see you as the same type always. You know what I mean? Not at all. Yeah, we're not at all. I mean, I could have seen you doing what he did in Hello, Dolly. Yeah, right. For example, but I see him doing- Spring Awakening. Awakening, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm so tall. I mean, I think he is is really singular in what he does. Mm -hmm. And I think- uh, relating back to what I was just saying, I think that's what they were looking for in replacing him. Because mm. they wanted someone to walk in and just show who they were and not to be a recreation of whoever Taylor is. And then that's what these parts are. That's why Ashley is so special too, because she is just a beautiful version of herself. And so we're on stage together and people feel like they know us and can connect to us. Um, and it's challenging. It's challenging to play a version of yourself because when you get notes, it's like, all right, well, then you're talking about me right now. <laughs> But, but it is a character. I get to be sort of like blissfully unaware. This, this part is like really naive and he's like giddy and he's performing on Broadway and he's aware of that. And there's like this sort of youth and almost Karen Smith-esque thing to him. There's a simplicity to storyteller number two that I really love. And I consider myself to be a little more educated than him. So that is a transformation. Do you use an accent? No. Okay. No, okay. so we're, we're, we're modern day uh, narrators that okay. sort of are the audience's window into the world of Cobb County. Um, <laughs> and yeah, amazing. And I don't want to give anything away, but it, okay. is, it is basically just, um, I mean, we, we truly just, we let the audience in on what's going on and, um, and on the story. And then we get to jump in and out of it, which is really fun. Like I get to be a part of like a few musical numbers. And I even say like, I love this number. I'm going to join it. And yeah, and then fun. yeah, we play like these characters and put on hats and stuff. There's like a whole vaudeville uh, bit that we get to do with John Bellman. Um, it's really, really fun. Uh, dream about. Okay. Wait, yeah. so now I'm thinking you've, you've worked with two of, in my opinion, the funniest book writers on Broadway, let alone, I mean, Robert Horn, Absolute genius. His book for Tootsie was incredible. And then obviously Tina Fey, who need we say more. Are they in the room during rehearsals, rewriting jokes on the fly? Like, how does that go? I I don't know how technical, we don't really get too technical on drama because I think some people think it's kind of boring, but (laughs) I'm actually really curious. Like, (laughs) we're normally normally like, did you hook up in high school? (laughs) I know, years. Um, uh, Did... Did I hook up a nice one? No. Um, <laughs> this, yeah, Tina, people were really surprised to hear how involved Tina was. And I was like, of course she was. Like, this uh, Mean Girls is her baby, you know? And that sort of put her on the map in many ways when that film came out. Um, not that she was nobody before, but the movie was such a success that she really, really wanted it to do well on Broadway. And so, yeah, she had a major hand in casting and she prides herself in casting things really well. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, was writing this incredible book on the fly. Like I would be so impressed. She would come up to us in rehearsals and be like, she had written down like five options for one little joke and would sort of be like, okay, what do you think is funny? And I'd look at, read them down the line and they were all equally hilarious. <laughs> and then we just got to play with it. And she's, she's a genius as is Robert Horn, who like has this amazing Rolodex of jokes. And oh. it's almost like this thing where on paper, you're like, is this going to fly? 
is this going to be, is this going to work? And it, it, they really do come to life in such a way, which I think is a testament to the cast too. It's the people that are delivering them. I'm not saying that in the wrong hands, they, they might crash and burn. I think the book is really strong in itself, but yeah, two ge uh, genius comedic writers I have mm -hmm. worked with on Broadway. You're totally right. Um, and now you're a comedian as well. I mean, you even got to do Girls 5 Eva, which is so fun. Yeah, I played Tate in season two. And the the role came through my manager and she was like, this is you, you're this part. And also I had the connection with Tina, who is a, one of the producers of Girls 5 Eva. But uh, there, you know, I had worked with Tina on Broadway and um, not that she didn't think I could work on TV. I mean after working a little bit on TV and film, they are so different, right? It's almost <laughs> like you're, it's a different art form. Okay. Um, the, the end of the day, it is the same thing, right? You have to just act, but um, doing it on set is a very different beast. And so, um, I, yeah, I had to put myself on tape for that, but luckily since I knew people, I was, I fast-tracked and got that part and everyone approved. It was so fun. I mean, that show I think is so special and so well-written. Meredith Scardino is the writer, creator, showrunner. Um, and those girls, I mean, the cast <sighs> is unbelievable. I mean, I would be lying if I told you I wasn't terrified when I walked on set though, because all of my scenes were just with the four of them. Right. Uh, Busy, Sarah, Paula, and um, Renee. <laughs> and it's terrifying. And I remember on one of my first days on set, I was talking to Busy in the makeup trailer and she was like, we're so excited to have you. This is, um, and then I was telling her, yeah, it's like, you know, I haven't really worked on TV much. She goes, yeah, this is, it's tough to do what you're doing. Being a guest star on a half hour comedy is one of the hardest jobs on television because you have to come in and out. You don't get the privilege of being there every day, but you've got to meet us at our level and volley with us and be funny. And she wasn't trying to scare me, but I truly yeah. was just like, got it. <laughs> terrifying. Um, and so it took me a while to find my footing with that but um i want to do more of it i want to get it back on tv because um now i by towards the end of girls five i got really comfortable and i was like no no i'm walking away from it so um i hope i get to mm. cut my teeth, teeth even further with um some television stuff at some point I think you will. Wait, aren't they aren't they doing a season three on like Netflix or something? Yeah, so they're moving the whole show to Netflix and they are finishing up season three right now. Yeah. Are you um, not in it? Not in it, no. The the arc of Tate sort of ended when because I represented the Property Brothers record label and so we didn't sign them at the end. Um and also <laughs> we've been in I suppose there's season two, we didn't sign them. Um but yeah, they've been filming <laughs> season three and um no, I'm I'm not in it. But maybe Tate will emerge at some other point. But also we've been in shucked madness, you know, busy, crazy putting a new Broadway show up. So I don't really think I would have had time to anyway. Yeah. yeah. And there's an album, right? For Shocked? Yes. Yes. Um they've released a few songs. Um and then we are I think it's coming out next week, May, early May. The whole okay, album. Cool. Will come out. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I need to too. tell you, I have seen I saw the show The Invited Dress and I can still sing you the hook to independently owned i've never heard it since yesterday i was singing it to dylan like on the phone earlier in the day he calls me later and he is singing it back to me that is how you know i've never even heard the song you've got a hit right? wow yeah that is such a good song they've released mm -hmm. that one already on itunes um and alex newell who sings that role and plays lulu is phenomenal and um, yeah there's a lot of really good hooks in the show that's country music though too mm. um there's the, the one that hasn't been released yet but is always in my head is called woman of the world which caroline interbickler sings sings she plays Maisie, and 
all day long I'm singing Woman of the World. You're a woman of the world, Gray. Yeah, Gray, yeah. you're a woman of the world. <laughs> ditto, ditto here. Yeah, everyone here is a woman of the world. That's so fun. I cannot wait to hear you on another cast album. I mean, I absolutely love the Mean Girls cast album. Connor and I, we did the pink. You could like rush it in if you had to be wearing pink. Oh, cool. It was the thing yeah. originally. And then we you could did like, enter the lottery. And if you were wearing pink, you could get free tickets. Oh, cool. And yeah. So that Wait, happened for us. That happened for us I, in a way, I think, one time. And ultimately, it was amazing. Oh, my God. And I always tell people I'm like quietly a mean girl's stan because I loved it. It was yeah. so great. Yeah, you have to, like, you know what you're getting into, right? It's You're not going into Mean Girls thinking it's, like, high art. But then it was, like, it was a good show. And it was it fun was. to do, yeah. Yeah, what was that experience like for you? The whole experience? Um, yeah. Amazing. I mean, also, getting that role, I was terrified because I knew that part so well. I grew yeah. up with with the movie, and so I could quote it. I knew exactly what Daniel Franzese did. I know how he acted through it. And I was terrified about trying to, we all were. Everybody was like, how do we recreate these iconic roles? But the the gift of that whole process was Tina um, and her husband, Jeff Richman, who wrote the music. They were like, we're creating this around you guys. And so they never wanted us to do anything like they did in the movie. Because how how can you? Right. And we were on stage, we were acting. And Damien was like a theater queen in the musical. So it was very different. But the process was incredible. And talk about like knowing something will be a hit. And so doing Shucked in contrast to um, Mean Girls is really fascinating because Shucked is this sort of like underdog show that like, people didn't know about and like no names were really attached and like um, th- it's not based on anything. But mm. with Mean Girls, it's like we had a built-in fan base coming in. And so it was like highly anticipated, which was terrifying as well. But um, playing Damien was such a gift. I mean, I got to be like the more confident version of my high school self. Mm. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Now, you stayed with it for a few years. When you left Mean Girls, how were you feeling about Broadway in general and and your career? Were you kind of like feeling like, okay, I'm done with this, I need a break? Or were you looking forward to something different? I mean, I guess the pandemic stopped all of that, but I guess I'm wondering where your head was at at the time. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Before Mean Girls, I did Book of Mormon for four years straight, right out of college. (laughs) I know. And so I was... I graduated from Carnegie Mellon and then the month after started rehearsals for the tour, at the end of the tour, they asked me to join Broadway with a week in between those two companies. And so I did the whole show four years straight, like 1600 times around. Oh my God. Were you Elder McKinley the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. So the whole time I oh, played Elder McKinley, so saying turn it off like 1600 times. And so it, That's amazing. it was um, amazing, but I was so young and it was my first job. And so I, re- I remember, um, I mean, imagine going from doing a show for two weeks, like you do in middle school, high school, college, to then doing it eight times a week for four years straight. So, (laughs) yeah, it it like really blew my mind. And there's no way to learn how to do that until you do it. Um, And I think my little creative heart was sort of squashed. And it was such a bummer because that show is so much fun. Um, And I had the time of my life doing it. But by the end of the four years, I was like really ready to leave. And then Mean Girls happened and I was like, this is definitely my part. And I was lucky that I got in for that and that ended up working out, obviously. But then by the end of Mean Girls, I wasn't as burned out as I was after Mormon, but I still was ready to do something new and to, to um, step away from playing a teenager. And mm. and I don't know, um, there was something that I just, I feel like I needed to grow up a bit. Um, and then I did um, like the TV and film, which was kind of out of necessity, right? Because theater wasn't back. Um, and I was lucky to, to 
played girl that part on Girls Five Eva, and then I did the small role in this Denzel Washington movie, which was also so random how that happened. Um, not to bring down the room, but I moved home to Georgia for six months in 2020 because my dad was sick. He had lung cancer and he was passing and I was there to take care of him, which I would never have had that time if I was doing a show. And so it's this odd, like, you know, blessing of this pandemic. And I was like, yeah. oh, I need to go be home and be with my family. And I know I'm a caretaker in that way. So I was like, I have to go do this. And so I helped my mom a lot and we took care of my dad. And then I was auditioning for a few things here and there. And I got this audition for Journal for Jordan, which was this Denzel Washington directed Sony Pictures movie starring Michael Jordan. And it was one of those auditions that came through that I was like, oh, why am I even trying? Like what? And the part was this like, you know, gay best friend. And it was a really small role. But at that point I was like, I just have to put it on tape. So I was like landscaping my parents' backyard in Georgia. <laughs> and then I like, like threw on a button down and went in the back room and put this on tape and zoomed with my friend. And she read for me and, um, like a month later, got a call from my manager and they're like, so my, uh, Denzel Washington wants to see you for a callback in Brooklyn. And I was like, well, I can't, like I was driving my dad to Atlanta for all these appointments. And I was like, okay, that's wild, but can't be there. And then the like next day or so I got a call and they were like, well, they're just going to give you the role based on your tape. He like liked your tape so much. Oh my and I was God. like, okay. First of all, Denzel Washington is like, he is such a hand in all of these parts. Like my when you if you see the movie like it is so small and insignificant um but i had like three scenes and a few lines and whatnot but um yeah so i, I came back to new york to film that and then unfortunately and i think maybe this is i don't know it, it was weird timing um my dad passed like two weeks after i came back to new york okay. and i couldn't fly back because it was height of quarantine before um vaccines and i was filming that movie and wow. oddly, like Denzel added me to a scene in the movie, which is when the lead girl gets the call that her husband has passed away and I had to be there and comfort her. And he added me to that. It was the day after my dad passed. And like, it was very like the timing of that was wild. And I was like on set after getting that news and then going through this thing and he found out and Denzel came and talked to me and it was, I don't know. I think my dad sort of waited until I came back to New York to pass. And so it was hard obviously yeah. being here, but I had just been there for six months and taking care of him. So that's how I got back into the city and the timing was strange and it was obviously emotional and difficult, but, but yeah. And then, and then that I, that's just kind of what kickstarted the the work again. And then um, girls five happened after that. And then the shock of it all just started up in the, winter of last year yeah. yeah i forgot how even this conversation started no but. no listen that's I just okay. want to say you did not bring the room down at all i i really no. appreciate you opening your heart to our listeners and we've all you know experienced different degrees of loss and whatnot yeah. over the years but that's mm-hmm. huge and i think that that's really mm-hmm. beautiful the way that you worded that that yeah i was lucky that i got to be yeah i think he waited time. and didn't really want to say goodbye it's hard it was hard i think he was in denial too and mm-hmm. um but it's it's complicated but of I got course. to be there for six months. And when have I, when would I ever have had that time? You know, one of those strange ways that the universe sort of puts you where you're meant to be at the time. Fully. I fully believe that happened. Are you and your family doing okay? Yes. Everyone's doing really well. Yeah. It was the first time I really experienced loss, but you do learn so much about life through loss. 
so I'm grateful for the lessons and I'm grateful for the time I had there. And it has made me a lot closer to my family. Yeah, but everyone's doing really well. My mom's doing really well, actually. She like studied in Oxford this past summer. It was a lifelong dream. And she was like, I'm going to go study creative writing in Oxford. And so she left and did that. And, you know, it, it is a 100% death rate for all of us. Mm -hmm. It just depends on how you get there. But uh, definitely difficult. And I think coming out of a, a pandemic and my dad's passing and all of this, like doing a show like Shuck, which is just joy, pure joy, is just like a dream. And that's why I'm like riding high on this show. Oh, I can I'm feel so, it. I'm so happy for you. Thanks. Now I'm realizing we're getting, we've gotten into so many different things, but I didn't get a chance to ask you what got you into this business in general. Yeah, yeah you mentioned you did ballet at a, at a young age, but. Yeah, we, we borrowed. That is, <laughs> we borrow and appropriate or misappropriate. I don't really know the right way to word it, but the term ring of keys from the graphic novel turned musical fun home about that moment of recognition when you realized you wanted to be in the arts, whether it be you were consuming something or participating in something. Do you feel like you had a moment or moments that got you into the biz? There's actually a really sweet, charming moment um, that is oddly captured on tape, um, but it, so when I was really little, this is like maybe before I even started ballet, my mom took me to see a production of uh, Cinderella, Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. And it was at a local community theater. But I remember like Cinderella at some point, for some reason, like came up out of the ground. I don't know. <laughs> it was like, it was absolute magic to me. And then my mom, this was like 93, right? And so my mom took me to Blockbuster because they were doing this thing where they could like, this is before everyone had cameras, I guess. And so you could bring your child into Blockbuster and put them in front of like a screen that shows their height and then their name on it. And they talk. So in case this child gets abducted, there's footage of your child to put on the news. I know it's dark. But like, <laughs> I know, I know. And so, and I was standing there as a three-year-old, four-year-old kid. And my mom is like, talking to me from outside the camera and you can see me and she's like what do you want to be when you grow up and I said Cinderella <laughs> I literally said like I want to be Cinderella when I grow up because I had seen that production and so my interpretation of that is like oh that's when I wanted to be a performer um and so yeah I started ballet when I was three and then danced for a while and then I hit puberty and I became what I call a linebacker in size because I'm <laughs> such a large person I'm like tall and broad and so my body never really lent itself to ballet and I sort of was kind of falling in, out of love with the art form because it's mm. very strict, beautiful, but like very demanding and strict and um, precise in the way that theater is so fluid. And mm -hmm. so I had always done plays, but in high school I really shifted and only did musicals and plays. And that's when I made the big switch and knew I wanted to study that and got into Carnegie Mellon and then Mormon Mean Girls shocked. That's the oh whole entire story. Cinderella to shock. Yeah. Cinderella to shock. So wait, did you ever get to be in Cinderella in high school or anything? Or Well, yeah, I did actually. I did a production of it in high school, but I was not Cinderella. I played like, I don't know. <laughs> no, but this was middle school. I was like in the ensemble of Cinderella. <sighs> so I did get to do a production of it, but I fell in love with it when I was three. I did love you, that. Did you love the Brandy, Bernadette Peters, Whitney, of Whoopi? Course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was obsessed with that one too. But it was that stage production. I remember just, and I think it, it could have been any musical, right? It was just the first time I had seen something like that, where these actors were like feet away from me and they were yeah. like bringing something to life. It's so different than watching something on TV. And then, you know, you have the chance to meet those people afterwards. That's what's so cool. That's why I try to do the stage every night because 
it's so special. You get to watch these people work and then like go talk to them. I try to do that every night. Um, it's trippy for oh, me always. So I saw sweet. a play. I saw a play last night. I saw the sign in the window of Sidney Bernstein's office. I think is that the name. There's a lot of words. <laughs> yeah, I think the gist is there. Yeah, I saw a play last night that starred Oscar Isaac and Rachel Brosnahan. The title is something. Um, and <laughs> I remember sitting there being like, oh "My gosh, I've seen this person, Oscar Isaac, Rachel. I've seen them on screen and." now they're just like sweating and talking right here in front of me it is so cool <laughs> it's so cool and exciting and i try to remind myself of that you know were they good day. amazing they're amazing the show is really special and their performances are like unreal now when you were in book of mormon did you ever do it with gavin yeah yeah we're we're really close because of that we were we opened the first national tour together so oh, he was cool. elder price and i was elder mckinley we met on the first day of rehearsals, it was my 22nd birthday, July 2nd, 2012. Oh my gosh. And I didn't really know anyone in the city. And I had just moved there from college to do the first national tour of Mormon. And Gavin took me out to dinner that first night on my birthday. He was like, it's your birthday. You don't, you're not doing anything. And I was like, no. So he took me to dinosaur barbecue in Harlem and he left our tour after I think San Francisco in the first six months to go open the London production right. on the West End. Okay. But we got really close and we're still super close. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, do you, so do cool. you think he'll get nominated for Into the Woods? Um, yeah, I mean, he should. He's one he of should. the most amazing performers of all time and really made something so special of that role, which which is a really fun role. But Gavin, like I said before, like really talented performers put their own magic on things. And he mm. did that so beautifully in that production. It is funny though, that production was like, it feels like a long time ago, but it is in this season. So yeah, I know. Yeah. I hope I hope he gets nominated. I feel like it was an iconic performance from this season, yes. and he's still doing it. He's doing it on the road. You're right, yeah. you're right. All day. Yeah, so. I can. It's so funny. Like I've really tried to stop thinking about this kind of thing, especially while doing a show that is like yeah. Yeah for it, because it would it will <clears throat> drive you crazy. It will really I, drive I you can crazy. Only imagine. And the Mean Girls of it all was like exciting because it was a surprise and. Like, I don't like my role is small on this and I don't really expect anything to come out of this show for me. And so it's kind of nice to sort of take a back seat and get to mm. watch it. But still, it's like, oh, you don't want to want it. You don't want to make it the thing that you think about because it's sure. about so many other things. But as an outsider, like if I like I would love to watch and predict all this stuff. But in oh, the yeah. middle of it, you're like. I don't know. And I try not to think about it. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll, get, yeah. we'll get that out of the way. We'll get that out of the way because we need to move into our dose of drama. So we're sadly wrapping up. This is our titular Great. segment. It's where we just kind of get to chat about anything that's on our mind or on our hearts, anything that maybe we're thinking about or is coming up. We haven't talked about Drag Race yet. So my dose of drama is the cast of All Stars 8 has been revealed. And I have heard through the grapevine, Gray, that you are a Drag Race aficionado as well and that yes. you are very much in it i just want to say i think i'm rooting for darian late and i know <gasps> that, that sounds silly but she is a sleigh and she absolutely <laughs> dominated in one of the most stacked seasons ever season six and i think that, that she's like final like maybe final final four yeah really? i think i agree i think i'm most excited to see what she does mm -hmm. because season six is one of my favorite seasons of all time and i agree she really held her own yeah. it was really good television oh, and okay. um i don't know 
I think a lot of the girls on, I love watching all stars because you can see what they do, how they settle into themselves after watching themselves. Because you know, when like, I mean, you guys ever see yourself in something you're like, that's what I do. That's how uh -huh. I am. And so the awareness is sometimes toxic, but also I think helpful. And so I think like, Darian, it's been how many years? Has it been 10 years maybe since she's I was, done it? Yeah, I think that one's the next one to hit 10 years. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Almost, yeah, because season 15 just aired. So it's like, yeah, if there's a season a year, it's like 10 years. Wow, yeah. she'll be good. Who else are y'all excited about? Well, I was going to say, I love when they come back after being away for so long. Like seeing yeah. Kylie, Sonique Love, or, yes. you know, um, well, All Winners was a different story. That was with incredible. Yeah, Raja and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm excited to watch what Jimbo does. Yes. Um, Jimbo is fascinating to me and very unique. Um, and I love to see- a good like, word. Good word. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I love to see like what filter they use, like how they filter all the challenges and stuff because it's never like the way anyone else does anything. Um, I'm trying to like, I'm looking up who, oh, obviously like producer Candy Muse will be entertaining. <laughs> I think I kind of um, want her to win. I know that sounds crazy, but I just, I think she's like one of the most interesting characters to come out of Drag Race ever. Totally agree. I also think Heidi in Closet will do really well. Um, oh yeah. Love I'm, Heidi. I'm looking at who else is- Well, we got Kasha Davis who is besties with Darian in real life. So we might be getting really? a little alliance. Yeah, they do like a drag brunch in Rochester every Saturday and Sunday. It's like a thing they do. Oh, oh I love that. Mm -hmm. Wait, well, also James Mansfield, I'm so fascinated by like what? Yes. Because they were first out, right? Yeah, we have two first outs, James Mansfield and Kahana Montrese. Right. Oh, yeah, can't wait. Yeah. And Alexis wow. Michelle, I like, I love yes. Alexis, the theater queen of it all with Alexis Michelle. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, um, also, all of their looks were incredible for the oh, reveal. The best. And you, you know who did the, the photographs is Matt mm -hmm. Murphy, who does all of the Broadway oh. shows. Yes. He like posted that he did those pictures. And I was like, that's why they look so good. Oh, yeah. It's so, so glamorous. Um, Alexis Michelle, I have to say, early, early, early friend of the pod, one of our first ever guests that we had. And she cool. is so iconic. And I think that she's going to slay. I think that she's going to be someone who saw herself on TV is going to be like i'm back with a vengeance i think so too yeah and it has a, a really great like awareness because you do watch people that go on it for the first time thinking they know what they do and then the world is like girl we don't see you that way do you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i wish we all had that experience i wish like i could be on a tv show so i could be like okay i can work out all the kinks of gray through mm -hmm. the eyes of millions of people you know yeah. which is like being thrown to the wolves but Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know the song Clapped that like Alexis Michelle, Sasha Velour, Aja, and No, I don't. Uh, Popperman did. It was like they were like the four New York queens from season nine. They created this song called Clat. It's like club legend art theater. Alexis Michelle has this <laughs> verse about theater where she says, As a little boy, I lived for the drama. Now I just want you to feel mama. And I think I just <gasps> love the way that she does that. I think that's like that's that is camp that's maybe she says as a little part. girl i don't want to misgender young alexis michelle and yeah we'll song, google so. the lyrics yeah yeah, we'll yeah, yeah yeah we'll find out that's fun as hell i okay, can't that's wait my drama connor do you have a dose of drama hmm, let me think i do okay on the topic of reality tv i'm feeling very burnt out by my housewives oh and i never thought i would say this because it honestly when the pandemic started it got me it, it, it became my obsession, like any reality TV, specifically Bravo, really kept me motivated, I think, because at a time when we were all shut away, not able to experience life, I was watching 
versions of reality on television playing out that were it was mm-hmm. almost comforting to me to like see the real housewives of new york or the cast of summer house like being in new york or being in and around the city and life kind of going on in a way when we were like trapped for those first few months specifically but i don't know lately i'm just feeling like it's not hitting like it used to i don't mm. know if it's because the shows are evolving in a way where they all the women have this awareness of what they're on or if it's just too many things at once. Like I'm literally in one week watching like The Ultimate Girls Trip. I'm watching Vanderpump Rules, Summer House, New sure. Jersey. That's a lot. Now Atlanta's coming back. So I think you're right in that, in the same way of Drag Race. Drag Race. Drag Race. Drag Race. Drag Race. <laughs> it, has, it has evolved because it's been on for so long, right? And so in the beginning, it was messy in a way that was like really refreshing. I'm unfortunately not a huge housewives gay and also i i was on like um i was the bartender on watch what happens live once during mean girls like for press reasons and andy like right before we started was like is so excited because i was like a gay right playing this Mm -hmm. iconic gay role in the show and he's like you watch housewives because you wanted to like volley with me and i was like no and i like i completely (laughs) like like screwed up my whole appearance on that show because i didn't know anything about (laughs) housewives but do you remember next who was time, sitting? Do you remember who the guests were on that episode? It was I don't remember their names, but it was these two people from that reality show on Bravo about like the South. Oh, Southern Charm. Southern Charm. Yes, yes. Were they men? It was a man and a woman. Okay. I wonder who it was. Was it a redhead named Catherine Calhoun Dennis? No, no. It was. She was like really pretty, curvy. Um, and then the guy kept on looking at me, be like, I think I know you. Where are you oh, from? And I was like, Macon, Georgia. And he kept on thinking we were like friends or we were probably together. Shep or Craig or Austin. Come on, names. I know. You know right. <laughs> Great. I know all of these. It's really sick. It's like it exists in this bizarre place of my brain that's just I'll send you a picture of the three of us from oh, that. Yeah. And you oh, that's so, cute. so was it just you bartending, that. or did they send like Barrett or it was just me? Yeah. I oh, just got cool. to do that solo style which was very fun but like i said i wish i had watched lots of housewives because then i could have volleyed with andy and made a bigger impact on the show (laughs) um what was the coolest bit of press you got to do when you were on mean girls when you're in it Uh, coolest press i mean anytime we got to like chat with tina was really cool like we did panels with tina and it was always so fun to like hear her talk about the show and then like talk with her about it um I got Y'all did SNL, go... right? SNL was so fun, yes. And that was a pre-recorded sketch we got to yeah. do. And then we got to go backstage and kind of watch parts of it live while it was happening, which was fun. And then um, I got to go to DragCon and do a panel with um, Daniel Franzese and the real Damien from Tina's Childhood, who the character is based on. Oh, actually, I didn't know there was a, the source yeah, material. Yeah, and so she grew up with these two brothers actually one was named Damien and one was Jim and they're both gay and the character is based on sort of both of them but she loved the name Damien so much and so um yeah and so Damien and Jim Holbrook were also there and so we did like a Damien panel at DragCon which was really so fun did like a real girl moderate it or something or no no a real girl didn't but um but of course, I get to yeah, get to meet a lot of them there. That's so really cool. Fun. Yeah. Oh my god. Wow, I love yeah. it. Okay. Anyway, Gray, do you have a dose of drama to send us home with? Um. Well, I mean, if we're talking about reality TV shows, I do watch Survivor. I'm a Survivor gay. Okay. Is anyone here a Survivor gay? Peripherally, keep up with the names and stuff, but nothing. Okay. I'm well, crushing I... on someone on the new season, but. Oh, fun. Oh yeah. Wait, which one? 
he's like kind of twinky but kind of yes. like muscle twink okay okay he looks like peter parker he looks yeah. like mm-hmm. tom mm-hmm. holland i've yeah. seen him on twitter <laughs> okay in what in what capacity well i'll say after the pod gray <laughs> <laughs> okay great. um i um anyway i'm watching this new season and there's this i i'm not caught up but there's an incredible woman on it carolyn or caroline i'm actually bad with her names but she is a she's a gay icon and anyone oh. that is watching the show and listening to the pod will know what i mean she's one of the best people ever on that show yeah i got into survivor over the pandemic because there's it's like similar to drag race in that like i just love competition but also they're when they dive into their personal lives so it's like mm-hmm. when you get to know these people and their personalities clash and then you watch them compete oh it's so satisfying also i'm like convinced i could win survivor like for some weird twisted reason i believe that i could get on that show and like totally crash <laughs> for some reason i don't know why <laughs> It's like um, we 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 were Big Brother people for a while, and it's like similar, right? It's like social game, and there's also actual challenges. Yes, yeah, the social game is more important than I think people think, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, you have to be like good at challenges, but not good enough to be a threat, which I think mm-hmm. I could I could pull off. But I'm like really secretly competitive. Um, anyway, <laughs> so my weird fantasy is that I get to go beyond Survivor. Also, though, I know another friend of the pod, Erica Henningsen, was on, and we've been joking about applying for the amazing race together oh i would love to see the two of you do that right and so we we got together and we're like cooking dinner and drinking one night we watched a few episodes and we're like i think we could do this and so (laughs) that might be in our future at some point yeah okay i love that you that's real drama but no 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 no, it is it is is. it's drama because it's drama baby life is drama that's what we've been saying lately life Mm -hmm. drama is everything i love how close you and erica are that's yes and kyle see like Yes, they're both amazing people, Kyle and Erica. We got really close. I mean, she Erica feels like a sister to me. She feels like absolutely like we are cut from the same cloth and I want to like wring her neck and then like never let her go. <laughs> like we are so close in the way siblings are. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I love her to death. Really quick before we go, I know we keep say- saying we're like about to sign off and then we don't, but we just are obviously obsessed with you. No, you're, totally fine. you're calling in from your dressing room in the Nederlander. Mm-hmm. Do you know who else has had that dressing room before you or is it like not one of those situations where like it says on the wall or something i am just as obsessed with this kind of shit like as you guys because (laughs) i i love like the history of buildings um and the biggest shame i think about the nederlander is that they haven't preserved anything from rent like when the show was here like the walls were covered with stuff and like i think the alleyway for our stage door we used to be like covered with signatures on the wall and they didn't even like save a portion of they it they trashed it's all, been, it. it's all been painted over yeah and so which I, I guess i understand but it's such an iconic show that was in such an iconic theater i wish there was like a little corner that was like oh this was a rent thing you know i died for that the newsies um, came in and they would not have it the newsies wanted a full clean slate no <laughs> I don't know. but i know that shoshana bean was just in this dressing room for mr saturday night mother mother of course so good juju and then i think during rent this was shared with um it was angel and someone else okay cool. so the angel was definitely here which also is good like queer juju so totally happy, happy to be in this room and i share with the lovely john bellman who's not here right now but he plays gordy in the show and is just a tall strapping amazing straight man yes a, a so standout hot. from Tootsie for those who remember. Yes, yes. And, and um, um, Significant Other, right? Yes, Significant Other and Tootsie, yeah. Oh, oh. 
he's also just the best human being alive. So we are very happily together. I joke and I say that we're the Bellmans together. <laughs> I have taken his name and his wife is not happy about it, but I am the show wife. That's cute. <laughs> Wait, yeah. who was your dressing roommate at Mean Girls? Kyle Seelig, who played. Oh my god! Yes, and we, Kyle and I, went to college together. I was a few years older than him. We went to college together. We ended up doing Mormon together, and then did Mean Girls together. Okay, but we had a long history. Where's your podcast? I know, (laughs) I know. We should. That's true. So, did you share with Cameron Dallas for a brief minute? I did. Yes, Cameron Dallas, the stunt casting. um, Yes, (laughs) for Mean Girls and. I have to break it to you. He was so sweet. He was so kind. I know people are always, people really want to know like what that was like. And I think for him, it was probably really overwhelming to come. Mm -hmm. He, you know, never really acted a day in his life and was going to be on Broadway. (laughs) And so he was, he was really scared and nervous and, um, he was sweet. He was very sweet. It was, uh, he's it such was a cutie. Sh- it was short. He's yeah. He was very cute. The funniest thing I like to say about his time at Mean Girls when we shared a dressing room was he was the one that was telling me about TikTok because he was like, oh. "Okay, this is going to be the next big thing." And he is really good. I mean, obviously his like his career has been built on social media and via like was, it was he Vine? Vine? Yeah, yeah, okay. Vine. And so he was like keenly aware of all of those things and so he was the one that was like great like let's do this tiktok together and i was like i'm okay i don't care about that and it was like he wanted to do this tiktok where like i would lay down yeah get ready i would lay down <laughs> i open my mouth i know stay with me and then he would like pour cereal in my mouth and milk and then eat out of it like a bowl and he pitched that idea to me and i like shut it down immediately but um i regret it because i, <laughs> I might know. be i might be tiktok famous now i know wow I would have paid to let him do that to me, but that's... <laughs> Listen, Greg, you are a damn delight. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Yay. Oh my God, yay. And everyone needs to go see you in Shocked. Funniest show that has hit Broadway in years. And yeah, you're it's a really good time. So good in it. Thank um, you. You're just at Gray Henson on Instagram, right? At Gray Henson on Instagram. I have, I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet or even look at it because, you know, but That's yeah, Instagram best. at Gray Henson on Instagram. Amazing. And of course, everyone who doesn't follow us yet, we're at the drama podcast. I am at Dylan McDowell. Connor is at Connor McDowell. And thank you again, Gray. You are wonderful. Thank you. Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. drama.